Hi guys, how you doing? Welcome to the podcast. Um, it's been a long time. Yeah, I know that, but here I am today. And um, I hope you guys are all doing well. Um, had a long weekend. It's a, it's a long weekend here in Madrid, Spain. And um, I also think it's a long weekend in other, other places in the world. But wherever you are, hope you had a nice weekend. And um, yeah. Today I am alone. <laughs> there's no, there's no co uh, invites so or there's no guest today. So it's just going to be me talking about um, the role of technology in our communications and interactions with people. Yeah. So I got curious a few months ago. Fair to say, a few months ago about. I mean, fair enough. It's something that I've talked about with my friends and you know people around me about how technology, specifically social media, has altered our interactions and our communications. And today, I wanted to focus on four main points. So we'll talk about the illusion of familiarity. We'll also talk about how we used to interact before social media. And later, we'll talk a little bit about, well, quite a lot about parasocial relationships, which is something I found very, very interesting. And later on, we'll talk about face-to-face -face interactions, right? And how there's influence and what's the state of face-to-face -face interactions, basically. So, um, yeah, my first point, going back to the illusion of familiarity with, um, with influences, right? So for the sake of this part, um, I'll be focusing on the role of um, social media, um, especially Instagram, but we can also talk about other platforms and how that has created the illusion of familiarity to its influences. Okay. Influences and even like people you know, people, you know, your friends, your family, schoolmates, you know, work colleagues, whatever you want to, anybody you want to put in that box. So, Practically everyone has access to social media, or at least I think if you're listening to this podcast, you probably have access to at least one social media platform, right? So platforms like Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn, yeah, I would also include LinkedIn, even though um, initially I wasn't going to include it, but I started thinking about how um, the platform has changed in the last few years. And I thought it was just, you know, it was fair to include Instagram, on, um, sorry, LinkedIn on the platform. Yeah, so we'll be talking about, you know, social media platforms and um, how we have access to multiple types of influencers in call it any area of life, you know, from beauty to wellness, to sports, travel influencers. I mean, I'm a, I'm a very big consumer when it comes to um, influences around travel, around even wellness, you know, and beauty, of course. And yeah, I do, I do consume a lot around um, this area. But basically, you can find any kind of influences in any area of your life you're interested in, even from food to I don't know if you're into gadgets, whatever, call it whatever you want to call it. Um, and hey, it's this this new era comes with a lot of benefits. You know, it's a great platform to get inspired to see things from a different perspective. You know, 
I mean, I know that when I don't want to travel um, and I'm thinking about a certain destination, one of the things I do is go on um, Instagram and also search for the travel, uh, the travel influencers I follow to see if they've been there before, where have they been? And sometimes I decide my destination based on somewhere I've seen online from, a, from, a, um, from an influencer. So it's fair to say that they have huge impact in our lives and in our way of being, even though not everyone agrees with me, but hey, that's what I think. <laughs> And um, um, yeah, so also I'm thinking about dance influences, right? A lot of people learn how to dance from, you know, platforms like TikTok, especially during the, the pandemic, right? And also like trying out new recipes. That was something I did a lot during, during um, the lockdown, trying out new recipes and yeah, just, just developing new interests based on what I saw online, right? Uh, however, right, that's the good part of things, right? However, um, there's also an illusion of familiarity, right? There's an illusion of thinking we know the people we follow very well, right? Like you might see somebody who's a travel influencer posting photos of London, Chicago, um, San Francisco or Madrid, and you feel like all they do in their life is travel and their life is just it's just perfect based on your false you know perceptions of things or just based on what you're saying and what you see is just a glimpse of reality it's not it's not really what people are it's not really what people are doing 24 7 i mean you could you could travel around the world but you might still have a lot of you know day-to-day -day life struggles regarding family, regarding health, regarding mental wellness, you know, just call it whatever form of struggle you want to, you want to call it. So there's a false sense of knowledge about who they are. And that's something I've, I've even seen a lot, even when we talk about, um, even between friends, right? When you talk about an influencer and you start referring to them as, oh, they did this, they did, they did that. You know, I've seen people talk about um, influencers with so much confidence as if like they're living together or they're their family, you know. So this this illusion of familiarity, uh, it's also, it creates, you know, codependency and entitlement mentality, basically. That's, that's something I've seen, like, and by that, I mean that if somebody doesn't post, um, people feel entitled to going back to their page and asking them, when are you posting? When are you bringing this? When are you bringing that? You know? And um, yeah, entitlement mentality, like you're entitled to them to produce content when you want them to produce content, you know? So, and that might, that might not seem harmful initially, but imagine, um, 100 people or 200 people going back to an influencer page and just writing direct message, requesting and asking, you know, and, and feeling entitled to their privacy, you know, their family, their friends and um, destination, you know, vacation destination. So it's also fair to say that this dynamic occurs because the person, the, you know, the influencer, himself or herself have allowed this to happen, right? They put themselves out there. 
and consequently they've developed a dynamic whereby you put something out people see what you put out and they want more right so some will argue that this is because of the influencer which is fair but at the, at the same time this kind of dynamic didn't <clears throat> didn't used to occur before right so if you imagine before we had um, travel magazines if you read about travel from you know from a, a travel journalist or whatever you want to call it you don't you don't feel entitled to going back to the person there was a sense of space right and there was a sense of distance there was also a perception like okay this person is doing this but this person is doing this professionally but with social media platform I think um, we might include myself there tend to see things less professional and just more informal right more we're all familiar, we all know each other, you know, I know how many kids you have with your partner, where you go on holiday, the kind of food you like. Yeah, so that's that's definitely one part of the um, dynamic that, you know, that rings a bell and rings a bad bell, to be honest. And um, the next one I would like to focus on is how we used to interact before social media and who were our circle of influence. So I think before we had Instagram or Facebook, let's say early 2000s and even before that, right? Um, our circle of influence were people we actually knew in person on one hand, right? So this would be your colleagues from school, your work colleagues, family, friends, people you actually met in person, right? Although you also had circle of influence or we also had circle of influence around people we didn't meet in person, but there was a sense of distance, right? So this would be like celebrities from entertainment industry, you know, people who are interacting, um, journalists, political figures, or, or even well-known entrepreneurs, right? So you could have them as a um, influence in your life, you know, that you could have them as a role model or even as an alter ego, whatever you want to call them. But there was always a sense of distance. There was always this perception like, I like this person, but I know that they're far from me, right? And, uh, and with this, um, what I'm trying to say is that the main, coming back to our circle of influence, our main circle of influence were people we actually knew in person, friends, family, um, work colleagues, um, school colleagues or school friends, right? So it's fair to say that there was a two-way relationship. There was, you know, you were feeling these people and vice versa, right? Um, well, now that's not occurring anymore. That's not the situation anymore. Now what we have is a dynamic whereby um, you follow people online and it's you interacting with them constantly, right? And um, it's, not, it's not more a relationship from both sides. It's just one person, you know, liking, one person replying, one person talking and the other person absorbing all that from multiple um, users, right? Multiple followers, right? And um, I think it's fair to say that on one hand, um, if you know how to handle this well, 
this could be a source of inspiration, a source of well-being, you know. But on the other hand, um, it's fair to say that it also leads to comparison and emotional burnout, to be honest, because you're not still, you're not seeing the full picture of things. You're seeing a picture of who you think the person is or the version of themselves they allow you to see, right? It's more controlled. And um, I mean, if if you're, I'm going to go back to the travel because it's something I'm really into and I like it. And I consume a lot of travel influences. If I always see, I'm going to use myself as an example, even though that's not a situation. If I always see people traveling to different places or an influencer traveling to different places, um, I could, you know, end up comparing myself like, oh, I'm always in this city and this person is traveling all around the world or this person has a great lifestyle, right? So in comparison, consequently leading to mental breakdown, emotional burnout. So that's something that um, we see more nowadays. A lot of people are burnt out emotionally, not because of work, not saying, you know, things don't happen in other areas of life, but we're seeing a new form of burnout because people are comparing themselves to content they see online, right? Um, and they're also relating with these people as if they are friends. How many of you guys have seen that? I'm sure I'm sure you guys have seen that every other time, you know. I'm sure you all have friends, families, co-workers in your life that they do this on a constant basis. Which leads me to the next point, which is something I'm, I mean, I was when I saw this during my research, I was so, so, so shocked, but it makes total complete sense. It leads me to the concept of parasocial relationships, right? Or a social relationship with public figures. So yeah, parasocial relationships, based on my research, it's when uh, it's a relationship whereby the audience has a controlled interaction with the performer, right? So let's go back to the example of, of, of Instagram. That would be a follower having a controlled interaction with the influencer himself or herself, right? So the, the audience is usually more engaged with the performer, you know, that would be with, you know, likes, comments, um, you know, reactions to stories. However, on the other side, the performer, the influencer doesn't engage or when he or she does, she does it in a very um, just minimal response, right? So that would be, that's, that's what a parasocial relationship is. I mean, this is not something that started as a result of social media. Parasocial relationships have been around for a while, but you know, um, social media platforms have, in, you know, they've made this experience more intense, right? And it's it, they've given us an illusion of intimacy and identification with the person we're we're following, right? And hey, we've all I've, I've been there. I think every person who is actively consuming this platform has done this or is doing this consciously and unconsciously, right? So you, you become loyal to the person you're following. You feel a direct connection with them, especially when they start to share personal stories, um, when they start to share their own you know, lifestyle, things that are occurring with their family, 
and yeah, so you start growing a form of bond with these people, right? And it seems like um, you know them and you, you start having this intense really um, emotions and, and feelings towards, towards them. In fact, apparently, some people go to the extent of, you know, start mimicking their, um, their appearances, their gestures, their voice, conversations, and, you know, we've been, which I find hilarious. Like, <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's insane. But you just start, you know, mimicking somebody you don't know, <laughs> the way they, their gestures and voice and everything. But hey, um, this is, yeah, this is something we have out there. And um, I also think I didn't find any anything to you know to justify this, but I was thinking this could also create a, a dynamic whereby your expectations in terms of friendship they are distorted, and you start asking from your friends to be or coworkers or whatever you want to call this to be. Um, as this person you're following online, right? You want them to be, you want the actual people in your real life to be as this online version of the person you're following, right? So an example of this would be um, in my head, let's say you follow somebody going back to the travel or could imagine you follow somebody that travels a lot um, and all of a sudden you want all your friends or big chunk of your friends to go to these places these people are going to irrespective of if you know they can't make it or um yeah or they don't want to go there that would be that was an example i was thinking about yeah and another thing i found interesting which was something like i didn't even think this happened but after reading on it it did make sense was um, parasocial relationships with companies, right? That's it's a very interesting dynamic, you know. Um, so apparently, like companies who have uh, huge social media platforms and they engage with their customers, like you know, telling jokes, um, you know, just being funny online, they create an illusion of closeness with their. Um, with their, with their customers, right? And um, I guess what that creates is, it's good in terms of familiarity, like you know more the brand you're consuming, but on the other hand, you think you know the value system and the dynamic of that brand based on what you're seeing on the social media platform, right? Which is, um, I mean, um, yeah, it's, I think it's, I think it's, bloody interesting I think it's very very interesting like you thinking you know a company just based on what you're being fed online as a customer but yeah um this this occurs and it's yeah and I, I think it's something like you all can start paying attention in your day-to-day -day life about if you see this occur or if you do this I'm not saying it's good or it's bad I'm just saying that it's calls for you know observation Yeah, um, so, so parasocial relationships, they do have, you know, good side, right? I mean, it could lead to high sense of confidence, a strong sense of belonging. So, and with this, 
parts. I resonate a lot, right? So let's say for some reason where you belong in where you where you physically belong, you don't have so many people who look like you. I think like um, when you have those online platforms that gives you open doors for you to interact with other kind of people, other people that you feel familiar with, I think it's good. Um, for me, for example, I was brought up in a in a white dominant space, and I rarely had anybody who looks like me. And growing up, or uh, yeah, just just having just knowing people who look like me, I know that I I relied more on social media. I relied more on people I knew from my childhood. I relied more and on you know on influencers that look like me. And that did help me have a sense of belonging. I mean, you could also argue that that sense of belonging is fake, but at least it, it gave me a sense of reassurance that I was okay, if that makes sense, right? Um, when I say I was okay, in the sense that not that, not that I thought that something was wrong with me, um, a sense of belonging in terms of, oh, okay, I have these features and there are other people out there who have these features, right? So it's not like I'm different or I'm extraordinary. It's just that in this space, these features don't exist and they do exist somewhere else. So I think in that sense, it's a good thing, right? As long as you know how to measure everything with, you know, and also have a sense of distance, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, so I... I would say I got to have a more diverse community by increasing my interactions online, not necessarily with influencers, but also people I knew, you know, um, just met online, started having conversation from early, you know, early stage in school or, yeah, just, <laughs> I don't want this to sound weird. <laughs> That's why I'm being careful. It's not like I just start talking to random people online <laughs> like that. But you get what I mean, you know. If you know me, you get you kind of get what I'm what I'm trying to what I'm trying to go. However, okay, however, this one-sided relationship um, can also, you know, it could cost like in practical, you know, comparison, as I said before. You know, and that comparison could also be in form of body image, especially for women. I think men also do it. Um, I'll talk for women because I'm a woman. And um, yeah, like you start comparing yourself to this person you you know you see online and how they look. And sometimes people even take to the extent of feeling that um, they should look how that person looks. Right, which is something we've seen a lot in in young um, young girls. That's it's a big thing right now, and I'm I'm very passionate about that. I'm very passionate about how young women or girls, you know, internalize people they see online and how they feel that they should look like them. I think I think it's really dangerous, and I think it's something that. I mean, I don't have kids, but if I had kids, that would be something I would be extremely careful about. And um, I would try to control as much as possible, even though you can't always, you can't always control this. Um, you can't always control this 100%, but yeah, you get what I mean. I mean, yeah. Um, and this can also lead to like just being addicted to that person's page you know that media platform you know you start 
um, get an anxiety if you don't see people um, post or if you don't see that person post. I'm not saying this has happened to me. I'm just saying based on you know things I've seen, things I've heard, um, things I've read, you know. And it's even very funny, right? Because I realize that sometimes um, when certain um, influencers don't post for a long time, when they come back, they apologize for not posting, which in itself, it's, it's insane. Like, why do you have to apologize for not posting? Why do you have to say, I'm sorry, I've been away for a while. I mean, it's, 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 to me, it sounds, it sounds insane. I'm just being honest. It sounds bloody insane. Um, well, for parasocial relationships, right, as any other relationships, there's also a phase of breakup, <laughs> which is, which is, which is funny. It's funny, but it's not funny, right? So people also have breakups from their parasocial relationships, and that could be, that could be as a result of anything, to be honest, you know, that could be from, like, finding out your your influencer loves meat and you're a vegan or vice versa or um you know you're not a vegan and you become a vegan and you're just like oh why is this person a vegan to things like um they might share your views on something you don't agree about or and you don't feel comfortable about and you just find them unrelatable and decide to stop you know following them so the breakup, it doesn't have to be anything traumatic. Sometimes it's just more natural, like, you know, let's say, um, let's say you love to cook and you and you follow a lot of cook influencers online and all of a sudden you just don't like it anymore. So you're probably going to stop following those, um, those pages that you follow because, there's, you know, it's just, that's just natural, natural, I'll call that more natural um, parasocial breakup. <laughs> and um yeah the last the last point i wanted to talk about was on the decrease of face-to-face -face interactions right so with everything that we've said today here uh, or i said today here i think it's fair to say that um technology has altered our way of communicating with friends family and people we care about you know I would say that it has become an extension of our reality, even though I don't always feel comfortable with that. Um, I would say that nowadays there's a high reluctance to having face-to-face -face conversations. That's something I've noticed in my environment. I think people are overly hooked on chatting, 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 chatting nonstop, chat, 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 you know, and they would, they would either they would, they would rather just stay online and chat, you know, like the day would never end, than just get a cup of coffee, a glass of wine, and have a face-to-face -face interaction. And when they do have face-to-face -face interaction, which thank God some people still do that, I have also noticed that there's a high, you know, people find it difficult difficult to concentrate, you know, they're physically with you, but they're, you know, thinking about their mobile phone, you know, the alerts, if an alert comes on and you're talking to somebody and that person has to stop you and get the phone, you know, I'm not talking about a one-time thing, 
you know, we, we can all have emergencies that we have to attend to. I'm talking about when it's more, you know, when it's something that happens every other time you see that person. Yeah, so I think it's fair to say that people have it difficult to um, concentrate and consequently listen. You know, if you're not concentrating, you're not listening. And if you're not listening, you're not being able to engage them with real conversation, which leads me to um, the, a final question. And I'm going to end the podcast today with this question, which is, if we can't listen to the people we'll have conversations with, how can we empathize with what they're saying? And how can we create genuine connections with them? Yeah, that's that. This is the this is my big question. <laughs> this is my yeah big question, and I would like to I like to hear your thoughts on this. What do you guys think? How do you guys see things? And um, yeah, that's it for today. With this, um, the the podcast is coming to an end, and I hope to see you guys soon, or hear you guys soon, or hear you listen to me rather. <laughs> And um, yeah, have a lovely day. Take care of yourselves and stay safe, stay nourished.